Hi everybody, Marty Schneider here from Breaking Mayberry, your favorite podcast about the horrible history of the Andy Griffith Show. But the podcast you're about to listen to is not actually about the Andy Griffith Show. What you're about to hear is one of our bonus episodes uh, that we do frequently on our Patreon page for our Patreon subscribers, where people suggest that we watch or read or play certain things and we come back and talk about them. Uh, So you're about to listen to an episode we did about eight months ago talking about the 2004 film The Punisher, starring Thomas Jane and John Travolta. It was suggested, and we did it, and we actually had a blast. It's a good time. This is actually like the fourth time I've tried to upload this, and uh, it's kind of failed every single time. It kind of feels like God doesn't want me to share Punisher cast with you, but uh, God's going to sit this one out. That joke will make sense in about 20 minutes. Don't worry about it. If you like what you hear, this is just a sample of some of the material that you can get access to uh, if you support us on Patreon. We have tiers starting at just $1 a month, and you can get access to a whole bunch of bonus stuff. Uh, new episodes like this, deleted scenes, extended stuff from existing episodes, and at uh, certain tiers, you can tell us what to watch. You can make us watch or read or play things, and uh, you can use that to torture us as you will. So all of that is on Patreon.com slash Breaking Mayberry. Like I said, tiers start at $1 a month, and you get the satisfaction of knowing that you are helping your favorite old TV podcasters. Another way to support us, which is absolutely free, is to go to the podcatcher of your choice and give us a nice big rating and review. That helps us with those algorithms and helps us be discovered uh, in search engines and search results and puts us in front of other people and gets us into other people's earbuds. So there you go. Two great ways you can support me and Dan and help us produce Breaking Mayberry and be a part of our Breaking Mayberry community. There's also a Discord channel for uh, Patreon subscribers I forgot to mention. Come and have fun with us and talk about the show or about video games or about other stuff. And uh, hang out with us. There it is. With no further ado, let me present to you the bonus episode, Punisher Cast. Those who do evil to others. The killers. The rapists. Psychos. Sadists. You will come to know us well. Marty and Dan are dead. (laughs) Call us the podcasters. (laughs) That made me so happy. <laughs> oh Christ! Hey, hey, everybody! Bonus episode. <laughs> yeah, crack open a beer. You guys asked for this one. Yeah, you asked for this. So this is actually like so. Yeah, this was actually like kind of weird because we were like making fun of the Thomas Jane Punisher on Breaking Mayberry, and then like. You know, the, the 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 Patreon subscribers were like, oh, yeah, we want to talk about this more. And then I was like – I described it as like an extremely dumb movie <laughs> that is like really fun to watch. And to like talk about it, I went back and watched it. Marty, the Thomas Jane Punisher from uh, 2004 fucking rules. Yeah, I don't know what you all are expecting from this, but you're not going to get it because Dan and I both really like this movie. I hate – like when I saw it like years ago – it sucked. Like, I, I thought it sucked. And, like, ever when it came out, the overwhelming reviews were, this movie fucking sucks and is stupid as hell. None of the things the Punisher does make any sense. Uh, and then I watched it and I was like, eh, this is fine. This passes the time. I rewatched it. It's a fucking, I don't know if it's a masterpiece, but it's great. It's a great movie that is absolutely pointless and kicks complete ass. Yeah, you know, I, I think... I think I went through some phases with this. I think this is probably the third time I've seen this movie. Yeah. And I think I watched it, uh, you know, when it first came out, so 2004, so I would have been in high school. And this is a great movie for a 15-year-old boy. Oh, my God. It it kicks so much ass if you're a 15-year-old in 2004. Uh, And I later on, I think I watched it, maybe I watched it after, like, We Hate Movies did a thing on it or whatever. And by that point, I had kind of, like gotten really kind of bitter about it and i was like yeah this movie's stupid and it sucks but now i'm like yeah this movie's stupid and it fucking kicks ass yeah i mean so the big the complaint against it i think was like this was 2004 like comic book movies were just starting to become a thing i think like a reoccurring grumble of like nerds was it's not faithful to the source material. It diverges. They just took the 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 name and just slapped it on a standard movie. And 
they they looked at this, and this is in no way faithful to the Punisher. Yeah, they do not give a shit about the Punisher, and we were all like, "No, just make one." I want Frank to be dark and gritty and tortured, and I want him to shoot people in the face and not really do anything beyond that. He why is he hanging out with people and having friends and like, and then in the subsequent years. We've gotten like 10 years of faithful adaptations of comic book materials and extremely like faithful Punisher shit, and it sucks. Yeah, yeah. I I think one of the things is that it's hard to do the Punisher on screen in general because the Punisher is something like – or at least of its time was something unique and interesting on the comic book page, this vigilante hero who just – you know. Just shoots people. Yeah. But if you remove that from, like, the Marvel Universe, it's just a standard revenge movie. Yeah. And we've seen those. It's like, just Death Wish. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it's just expe- exactly what inspired it, right? So I think you – they did the right thing here by just saying, look, we're if we're just making a standard revenge movie, let's just make a fun, stupid revenge movie. Yeah. And yeah, you, you mentioned Death Wish. You met like Charles Bronson. This is the kind of movie. This is that kind of like seventies, eighties action movie that doesn't really exist anymore. It's well, it's really, it's a really weird movie because like any Frank like Castle material, Frank just like doesn't really do. He he shoots you. He just decides that he's going to shoot you, and then he goes to your lair and he shoots all your goons, and then he shoots you. Yeah, this was this was some like hardcore planning on the Punisher. He does this was basically sh- an episode of leverage. He does a Shakespearean like revenge scheme. He like infiltrates a guy's house, sows madness into him, makes him take everything he loves away, and then executes him. It's it, like it's Machiavelli. He's like Iago from Othello. It's crazy. Yeah, it's it's really funny to me, honestly. And it, this one leans really hard into some like Western iconography. Yeah, we do get a couple of duels and uh, and like almost like saloon style shootouts. Uh, I think this one, I think, really wanted to lean into Frank as a cowboy. Yeah, kind of. And like I don't think it did enough of that. Like you get you get a full like country music song, which was what we talked about originally. We we talked about this in turn in relation to Andy Griffith singing about death too. <laughs> he straight up when he fights Johnny Cash. He does. He fights Johnny Cash. Yeah. Johnny Cash shows up says, "I'm going to kill you." They say like, "So we're not talking about this in order at all. You yeah. should watch this movie." And then come back and listen to this. It's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. You can watch it in an afternoon. It fucking rules. Oh, yeah. That's another thing I want to talk about. It's only two hours long. Yeah. Which is incredible. I Movies should just be two hours long again. Yeah. It's the perfect amount for movie. Like, th- this, because it has, this has, like, rising action, falling action. There's no, like, long epilogue after the falling action. Like... Frank Castle delivers a monologue on top of a bridge in a leather trench coat about how much he's the Punisher and then end of movie. And there's not like four things after that of like, what are your, what's your name? They call me Jigsaw. And then like, like there's not like eight yeah, other no, things. I don't think there's even a, there's no post credits like, no. sequence. No, like, they, they don't set it up at all. It just ends. Yeah. It, no, yeah. Frank, Frank does what he sets out to do. And then the movie's done. Yeah. It's great. It's so refreshing. Like, this this movie, probably when it came out, sucked. Like, it probably did, in fact, suck. Because I think, it, like, in the landscape of everything else that was out, it didn't really make sense. But it has aged like fine wine. Yeah. At this point, it's kind of, like, just refreshing to see, number one, just kind of a low-stakes movie. Yeah. And, like... You know, I'm I'm so sick of comic book movies where it's just everything is 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 at risk and yeah. you have to save the entire world. And like in this one, not really. Like it's, and and a movie where like I don't know what the fuck the main character is doing. Like, right. He goes for revenge, and then his move is to get an apartment and then start causing his enemy's wife to accumulate parking tickets and then just hang out in the apartment and wait for guys to come to kill him. And I'm like the entire time I'm watching, I'm like, 
like the first time I was watching, I was like, what the fuck is this idiot doing? Yeah. Why is he doing this? And the second time I'm like, this is so cool. This movie they, doesn't ex- over explain things to you. Yeah. And like you would think it's the Punisher. What is there to explain? But as we've like gone off about a little bit now. There's a lot of moving pieces in yeah. here. This is smart Frank Castle. He is – so Frank Castle in this is not an army guy. He is a – is he, he an FBI he's agent? He's a CIA agent. Oh, uh, uh, no. Uh, FBI agent. He's okay. an FBI agent. Like it opens with Frank Castle in a blonde wig pretending to be German and like doing a sting operation, which is in the context of Frank Castle as a character – Insane. Ridiculous. Yeah, a thing that, the, like, the character, it's like the equivalent of having Batman, like, throw pies and ride a unicycle. All right, let's, let's, for, for context here, let's talk about, like, the difference between Frank Castle Marvel Comics yeah. and Frank Castle 2004 movie, Thomas Jane movie. Yeah. So, if you're not really a comic book person, the, but you, you, you probably know who the Punisher is because you know yeah. what his, his skull looks like. Because cops love this skull <laughs> yeah, for be- some reason. Because it's yeah. on the it's on the car of every single person that's tailgating you. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, so Frank Castle is uh, a war veteran. Originally, it was Vietnam vet. Yeah. Uh, and they've moved it up. Last time I knew it was like Gulf Storm or Desert Storm. Yeah. He. Yeah. I think now he's just like special forces. Yeah. He was in War X. Yeah. And clearly has PTSD and. Uh, he pissed off some people, he pissed off the wrong people, and his family were murdered, and now the Punisher goes and kills bad guys. That's yeah. It. And the rest of the Marvel Universe is just, like, has mixed feelings on him. Uh, most of them are just like, this guy is not, he's not a superhero. He's a fucking serial killer. Yeah. Um, he was he was originally introduced in uh, Spider-Man Yeah, comics, he correct? tried, to, so because Spider-Man was labeled a criminal, the Punisher tried to track down and kill Spider-Man. And so, like, the Punisher was originally a villain. And then he slowly became an anti-hero when he he took off in the 80s because uh, there was a rise in crime and there was a rise in anti-criminal sentiment. Uh, and like Marvel sort of latched on to uh, to the Punisher because people were like – there was a lot of, mo- of Death Wish-esque movies where people were just fantasizing about massacring criminals. Right. And Marvel was like, oh, we have a character all ready to go for that. It's Captain Massacre over here. When there was the kung fu craze in the 70s, they were like, ah, crap, we got to create a a kung fu guy with Iron Fist. And this, they're like, oh, we just have one ready to go. Fuck yeah. But yeah, in the comics, Frank's family was murdered by random gang violence. They were having a picnic in the park and criminals shot at each other and his family was gunned down, which is like the first difference because the, the violence that kills Frank's family in the comics, his wife and kid is not random. It is a group of hitmen that come to his family reunion. Yeah, yeah. Um, not, not the comics. In this movie. Yeah, in this movie. So, so, so let's let's go ahead and, and set uh, – I guess we're, we're not going to go scene by scene, but let's talk no about, way the, in hell talk about the beginning of this movie. Yeah. Uh, so at the beginning of this movie, Frank is playing – and he's undercover. He's playing a German arms dealer. Uh, he's like Otto. Yeah. He's setting up a, a sting operation, and he's got – this guy Mickey, who is like the uh, he's the um, he's the tech guy from Ocean's he's the Eleven. T- the tech guy from Ocean's Eleven, yeah. This the little nervous, sweaty tech guy. I love that dude. Yeah, and uh, that's the guy they're actually going for. But Mickey brought somebody else along. Mickey brought his friend Bobby or whatever. Yeah, Bobby Saint. Bobby Saint, who is who we don't know yet, but he is the son of Howard Saint, played by John Travolta. John Travolta, who is killing it. It, it is most Travolta-esque. Like. John Travolta's – quick side thing. John Travolta is – can we talk about how John Travolta is crushing this role? Absolutely. So he's simultaneously playing – so the whole thing is like Saint is like this big all-powerful crime boss. But he is the big all-powerful crime boss of Tampa, Florida. Right. So he is simultaneously super powerful and, and authoritative and terrifying but also – he ain't shit. Right. Like, like he, some of the things he's got his hands in are, like, prostitution, drug running, a used car dealership. Yeah. He's, like, so Travolta the entire time is oscillating between moments of, like, of terrifying power and also overwhelming powerlessness. Right. Because he has bosses he has to report to. Yeah. He's got other, like, he's a supply chain manager, basically. Yeah. And, like, there's one part at the end where he challenges a guy to a knife fight and he's, like... 
You know, back in the old days, when another man cheated, they would uh, they would break out their knives and move the furniture and and and, tr- and settle it the old fashioned way. I couldn't do that because I can't move all my fucking furniture. <laughs> yeah, you've got too much goddamn furniture. <laughs> rule. It's so great. Like he's he's definitely like a lot of moments where he's just like, "What is happening? I'm so in over my head." But then he goes back to being scary. Like a big thing that the movie got made fun of when it came out is like it takes place in Tampa, Florida. Yeah. John Travolta is the crime boss of Tampa, Florida, but they're totally aware because everybody else is just like, man, you're the you're king shit of Tampa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, that, that makes it so much funnier. Like I said earlier, low stakes. Yeah. Right? The best part is when – so his bosses are the Cubans and the best part is when uh, they like go into his – they're like big dicking him and they go into his – Cuban cigar room and he's like, hey, 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 don't touch the Cuban cigars. And one of them takes it anyway. And then as they're walking out, they just go like, these aren't even fucking Cuban. They're Honduran, you piece of shit. Yeah. Just show yeah. yeah. I think the the reason why I think comic book nerds didn't like this character or didn't like this is that like they think of things in terms of basically like power levels. Yeah. Like stats on the back of a baseball card. And Howard Saint does not have high stats. No. He's not he, he's not the kingpin. No. You know, at all. No, he has yeah, he's like solid stats for like intimidation, but he's also not very smart. Not very like yeah, not very smart, not good at killing people himself and is basically outclassed by the hero for the in, for 90% of the movie. Yeah, he uh he's the, he's a mid-level boss. Yeah. Which I will say one of my big complaints when I was in high school watching this movie was that you don't like it's almost a little anticlimactic what finally happens to Howard Saint because like cuz they don't that, fight. Like Yeah, well I think that's kind of the great thing about this movie is like the question is not will the punisher defeat Howard Saint. It's how thoroughly is the Punisher going to wreck Howard Saint's shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. You, you, you know, you walk into this movie, you know how it's going to end. Yeah. You're there because you want to see how it all unravels. And that's not what I expect from a Punisher movie, but it's, it, I'm not complaining about it. I mean, the big, the big reveal, we're, again, we're not going in order, but the big reveal is at the end when the Punisher is, is doing his big walk up to Howard Saint and the Punisher is like, you killed my family. And then Justin Bull is like, you killed my son. And then there's an explosion from inside the house and the Punisher goes, I killed both your sons. <laughs> and then he he keeps walking. He's like, I made you kill your best friend. And then I made you kill your wife. And now I'm going to kill you. And it's like, like he just you, – you, then it all like snaps into place. Like this is why he was moving the fire hydrant and this is why he like took so, like, so much time. And this is why he was fucking with uh, – What's the best friend's name? It was like Quentin. Quentin, yeah. Yeah, well, this is why he was fucking with Quentin. Like, he just wasn't just seeking to, like, destroy this man. He was seeking to just absolutely reduce him to a crater and then, like, have him realize it as he's, like, murdering him brutally. So let, let's back up for context, right? Yeah. So, so Bobby Saint shows up unexpectedly as part of this, like, arms deal that Frank has set up as an undercover FBI agent. And... They shoot Frank, but they plan to shoot Frank. They're going to fake his death. But Bobby freaks out, and he pulls a gun, and he also gets killed. Yeah. In this in this blowback. Uh, so they cart Frank off. Frank is now retired. There's a big retirement party <laughs> for him. Like, okay. Uh, He's this... retiring at, like, 35. Right. Yeah. Right. So he, he's no longer an FBI agent, uh, and he's going to go – to Puerto Rico for a family reunion, and then he and his family are moving to London. Yeah. They're going to the other side of the planet where no one can touch them. And that's his plan. So they go to Puerto Rico, and they make it a big point to say that not only is he there, not only is his son there and his wife is there, and his father and mother are there, but also her father and mother <laughs> are there. And yeah. In fact, they have a whole family reunion. There's a whole dinner where it's just like, Two families have come together for this. Like it's their wedding or whatever. Like So I – this brings up a very spe- – when I first saw this, I thought this was the dumbest fucking thing because like they never show – with the Punisher, they never show his family dying. They just tell you that it happened. This movie feels like Terry Gilliam and Paul Verhoeven took turns directing it because this 100 <laughs> – this feels like a scene that would happen if you gave Paul Verhoeven the Punisher like – so then his family dies. 
Yes, they must be burned down to the root. What? No, it's just his wife and son. His, the, the castle name must be extinguished from the earth so that he must know true suffering before he is reborn as the Punisher. What? Paul, no, no, no. We're going to, like, we're just going to seriously have his entire family massacred. Okay, I it, guess. It, it, it's very Werner Herzog. <laughs> yeah. What if a man had everything taken from him? And What if he was sent into a spiral and only by dark magic did he come back to live? <laughs> uh, what would that man do? So are we just going to like briefly mention that his uh, his family was massacred? Are we just going to like allude to it by having guys with guns walk into the building and then there's a lot of gunshot noises? No. So no. We, will, we will see the horror. <laughs> we will hear the carnage. There will be an eight-minute <laughs> chase scene for no reason other than to show that his wife is somewhat capable yeah, just running, a long thing of her running on a dock as an SUV is chasing her and the child. All right, so I, I should also, uh, this this is a great thing about my experience watching the movie. Uh, I was we watching- will hear the cries of his father? <laughs> there is- his mother will be the first to die. Yeah, he just like looks out the door and an old woman goes down and he's just like, Mom? Mom? <laughs> so- uh, I watched the first part of this movie, uh, at my parents' house and it was in the living room and they wanted to listen to music. And, uh, I was like, that's fine. I'll, I'll just put this on mute. And my mom put on the discography of Patti Smith. And I recommend this for anyone who wants to watch this movie. Put on as this scene is starting because the night belongs to lovers. Like the second <laughs> the guys get out with the guns because it syncs up perfectly like the point that like when the fir- first chorus happens it's the moment that a truck is ramping off like so just like like just truck takes me up because the night but and yeah <laughs> it syncs up insanely well and then i had it on just like in the background for like most of the rising action it was the the when he like moves into the house full of crust punks her cover of Smells Like Teen Spirits comes on, and it's so creepy and perfect. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, can we take a moment to talk about how fucking shitty all of Saint's goons are? They suck so bad. So like, <laughs> They're such goobers. So, like, uh, there's yeah. a, a, a showdown, basically, where um, after they run down Frank's wife and kid on the dock, and Frank comes after them, and he catches up with them, and these guys get out of there like fucking Ford Bronco, basically. <laughs> yeah. And it's it's the, the, the lieutenant, the second in command, Quentin. Uh, Quentin, played by David Morse, uh, in the shittiest goatee I've ever seen. Horrible goatee. <laughs> and, he looks like a damn fool. And then he's got like this young bro who is uh the, the other son, the second son. Yeah. And then Two geriatric men get out. <laughs> like, all of Howard's Saints are, like, men are, like, 65, 70. Well, that's the best thing. They're guys that you would actually find in Tampa. Yeah! Like, it's, you have two jacked old guys and, like, a kid. And, yeah, no, three jacked old guys, because Quentin is not a young no, man. No, he's not a young man at all. Yeah, like, you're in Tampa. You're gonna have an army of geriatrics. It's so fucking, fucking funny. Miami. It's so funny. They got, like, shoulder hair coming out of their black tank tops. Yeah. Like Everyone is hilarious. in black tank tops in this fucking movie. And, then, <laughs> and, and, and so when they kill him, it's just humiliating. Yeah. It's just like... Because this guy is, like, he's special forces. He, we see a picture of him yeah. in the army. We see a picture of him in the military, so we know that there's some kind of like special forces background, but it doesn't get into it. Yeah, uh, unlike unlike the regular Punisher, like the military background isn't uh, isn't that big of a deal. Yeah, they show one picture, and uh, we should mention also they just mentioned one magical black dude. There's just like one voodoo guy yeah. who lives out on the island uh, far away. That's the that's the best. Is that like Frank is like. Who's that? And then his father-in-law is like, oh, him? That's Voodoo Steve. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's a neighborhood witch doctor. <laughs> yeah. He's cool. He's a pretty nice guy. But Voodoo Steve does save Frank's life. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, Voodoo Steve takes him off to an island and, uh, like, he grows patches a, him up long enough for him to grow a sweet fucking beard. Oh, no, that beard's horrible, man. <laughs> that's a, Especially for Tom Jane. I was like, man, Tom, you're a beautiful man. That's the beard you can grow? <laughs> Shit, that thing's scraggly as hell. And uh, 
And that's it. He's basically they, they have this great exchange where like Voodoo Steve is basically says he says uh Via con Dios castle and then he in case you don't know what that means, translates, go with God. And Frank turns back and says, God's gonna sit this one out. Oh. And that's like the Punisher has begun. Like yeah. they should have they it, it's a half hour in, but that's when you should have hit the, the title card. The Punisher. That's so they won Thomas Jane for this entire movie annihilating he's but he's being so campy because he can never be like like he's he's never like i'm the punisher i'm here to kill you he's like one god is real but also he can fuck off two i'm gonna kill you so hard that your children are gonna die in the future it's like, very uh very warren ellis dialogue yeah, yeah it's every single thing is over the top it's like um did you ever see like the Punisher twenty ninety nine? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. would have the quote like, "How old are you? Thirty six. Caliber. Caliber. Yeah. Everything it just relates back to bullets for him. Yeah, he's yeah. doing like that level of dialogue, and Thomas Jane is just being such a fucking ham with this role. Oh, yeah, yeah. He he doesn't wink at the audience. He's not like, look how silly this is. He's like, I'm taking this bad shit dialogue as seriously as I possibly yeah. can. He's like, he, I think he's kind of playing as like. Frank Castle is a fucking lunatic and a cheesy lunatic, and I'm going to play him as a guy who would be extremely cheesy when his family died. So it's been – I guess they say it's been five months that he's been on that island or something. Yeah. So, he, so he returns to Tampa, shaves. He moves into like – are they squatters? I know. He moves into like an apartment building. Oh, they might be squatters. It's very unclear. Yeah, he, he moves into an apartment building. He has three neighbors. Um, who? Are awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. His three neighbors are played by Rebecca Romaine Stamos, yeah, uh, John Panette, uh, and Ben Foster. Ben Foster, one of the best actors of our generation, <laughs> possibly the most underrated actor of our Fantastic. generation. Fantastic, just kills it in everything he does. Literally in in the mechanic, a shitty Jason Statham movie. He is absolutely annihilating. Like he crushes everything he's in, and he crushes this. Three ten to Yuma. He's next to Russell Crowe and Christian Bale, and wipes the floor with both of them. Yeah, and in this role, his his entire character detail is guy with a bunch of piercings in his face. Yeah, so and, they're like crust punks. Yeah, yeah, but any other character would play that as like, oh, you know, I'm like Marilyn Manson. I'm edgy. I'm gonna be like, I'm gonna have like a wind of the way I talk, and he's like. I have a bunch of shit in my face because I'm a deeply sad, broken guy. Yeah, he's, he plays him like a fucking l- loser nerd who only gets happy when he's, like, winning in, at, like, uh, Counter-Strike. Yeah, he's so, like, like Ben Foster plays him extremely broken and sad, and he's like, I, you know, I just have these piercings. And, uh, like, like, he literally says at one point after Punisher, like, like, just mildly helps him, he's like, no one's ever stood up for me before. Yeah, I was going to talk about that scene. That scene is so good. There's a moment where, like, so a good chunk of the movie is actually, like, these three, like, losers, who also kind of social outcasts, welcoming Thomas Jane into their fold. At first they're like, who is this guy? What does he do? Is he going to murder us? Yeah. And a lot of it is, like, them, like, embracing him. Yeah. It's actually pretty sweet. Like and, forcibly breaking down his walls, and one of the uh, one of the one of the scenes in this is a man, an abusive ex of Rebecca Romaine Stamos, like pounding on her door trying to get in. She's like shown inside holding a knife and like shaking. Yeah, uh, and Ben Foster tries to get him to leave, and he uh, just goes like, "I'm gonna call the cops." He's he's like a like a shrunken in like kind of mild guy. Like he can't do anything. And Ben. Foster can be huge. Yeah, like Ben in, Foster we've seen be jacked and terrifying yeah, before. In 310 to Yuma, he's a demon. Like, yeah. he's terrifying. And in this, he's so small and vulnerable. And it feels like you could just, like, push him around. And, uh, like, he, the, the, the abusive ex goes and he starts pushing around Ben Foster. Frank shows up and punches him in the face, basically. Yeah. Hits him once, takes his knife away, and just basically kicks his ass out. And that's where Ben Foster delivers the line you just said, where he's like, "No one's ever stood up for me before." He, and it's it, it makes sense for like later on why he defends Frank. He does another line. So later on, they're all like eating dinner together, and uh, the what's what Rebecca Romaine Stamo? Yeah, she might have just been Romaine at this point. Yeah, Rebecca Romaine makes them go around the table and say things they're thankful for, and he just goes like, "It's pretty good day." 
a girl a girl gave me her, gave me her number. That was I hope something comes out of that. Yeah. It's like he says it so like it's it's not like he's like overplaying the character being sad. Like the character thinks is like allowing himself to be happy a little bit and it's a really vulnerable moment. I'm actually getting choked up a little bit thinking about this character. And the the, the other the other character is uh Bumpo played by John Panette. Uh John Panette was he died a few years ago, but John Panette oh, what? Yeah, John Panette was a stand-up comedian. Uh and he was also a Broadway star. Like one of his things was like he's like a big dude. He's also like a classically trained opera singer. Yeah. So he would always find some way to mix his opera like singing into his stand up comedy, which is why I'm glad they put it in this movie for my favorite scene in the entire movie. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. God. So, 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 okay. So Frank, Frank moves in with these weirdos basically and they are all kind of confused. Who the fuck is this guy? Is he going to make us pay rent? Because I think we're squatters. Yeah. Um, Rebecca Romaine's entire character is, uh, I've only ever been in abusive relationships. I used to be a heroin addict. Yeah. 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 And she lays it on extreme, both in the writing and in the acting, lays it on extremely thick. Nothing subtle about this movie. Nor should there be. No. No. God, no. Yeah. They'd leave no subtext is for cowards in the eyes of the Punisher. (laughs) (laughs) So fuck you, subtext. Get the fuck out of here. We got a thing to say. Someone's going to fucking say it. I'm here to kill the (laughs) postmodernists. Thomas Pinchon, I'm coming for you next. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so he moves in with these, and like this is his like lair. While he, his lair is like a shitty apartment that he, I think he moved into because he has access to the service elevator. Yeah, like, he so he moves in to this crust punk apartment, begins enacting a scheme uh, to destroy Vincent Saint, and in between doing that. Goes to this apartment and just drinks rum straight out of the bottle. And like, like they, at one point, like, they ask Rebecca Romaine, like, how's he doing? And she's like, he's drunk pretty consistently. Yeah. And they just show him in his apartment just, like, just pouring a bottle of rum down his throat. They, they, he, he tortures a man. He tortures, uh, Mickey, the nerd from Ocean's Eleven. Well, no. Punisher well, would have tortured Mickey. That's true. Like, comic book Punisher would have just straight up cut off pieces of Mickey. The the way he goes about it is very clever. Yeah, uh, he never like he go he kidnaps Mickey. Yeah, and he takes him back and he strings him up. Uh, this by the way, super homoerotic. Extremely, dude. The guy from Ocean's Eleven is fucking jacked. Oh yeah, it's yeah, crazy. But he looks great. There's there's this weird like like a uh, bondage like BDSM homoerotic scene where he's got that guy like strung up upside down and he says like he. Pulls out like an acetate torch, and he says, "If I burn you with this torch, you won't feel anything. First, it's gonna hurt too much. It's gonna sear all your nerve endings. It'll feel cold, and you'll smell burning meat, and that's when it starts to hurt. And instead of burning him, he then out of out of view starts burning a piece of steak that he's got yeah. lying on the ground, and starts smacking him with a popsicle, <laughs> and so- listening to him scream." It's so hot. It's so yeah. Yeah, it's legitimately like like erotic. Yeah, like, like it's oh god, especially the way Thomas Jane is playing it, where he's like just slapping a popsicle. On. And, and by <laughs> by the end, of, the dude's just like covered in popsicle juice. And then this is the this is the most homoerotic part. Then like when he's got the information, it takes the popsicle and puts it in the guy's mouth. Yeah, it's so weird and it's great. so gay. It's Literally, like so that is a that is a torture scene that Terry Gilliam would would write, like one hundred percent, right? That's that's like something that would be out of like The Adventures of Baron Munchausen or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, right? The Adventures of Baron Munchausen was a, like a lighthearted movie. I don't like. All right, uh, but the Terry, uh, Terry Gilliam, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But, like it's so great. It's like the whole thing feels like increasingly whimsical, like. The Punisher goes on this whimsical, like, madcap spree of revenge. Yeah, yeah. And and you mentioned earlier, like, he's moving – he's in the city and he does shit, like, that seems pointless, like moving around a fire hydrant. Yeah. He, he, the one action scene that happens, like, for most of the early thing is he breaks into a bank and – he breaks, breaks into Vincent State's money and he just throws it out the window. Right. And, yeah. And then he, like, has a – I mentioned this, this is one of the more Western moments – he only takes a little bit of, of money for himself. Yeah. And he walks out and Vincent Saint has two guys 
basically Hitchcock and Scully. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're the worst at their jobs because a guy walked in and then threw all of their boss's money out the window. And then they're like, hey, you shouldn't have done that. Yeah. So then they have like a, a dual shootout with these two old farts. Yeah. He, of course, annihilates them. Uh, it's really fucking cool looking, honestly. Yeah. And then he walks off with that. Yeah. And that's it for a little bit. But the, the interesting part about this is they know the entire time who is doing this. It's not like Howard Saint's like, find out who this is. They know it's Thomas Jane. Yeah. They know it's Frank Castle. He does he a press up, conference. Yeah, he showed up on the news. Yeah. He's like, he shows up, confronts his old boss. He was like, how come you haven't arrested Vincent Saint? And they're like, I, you know, shit's hard. And, uh, and fucking like, he just basically goes on the news and be like, I'm Thomas Jane. I'm the Punisher. I'm here to fuck up Vincent Saint. And then Vincent Saint easily ascertains where he lives. So they know where he is the entire movie. And yeah. The, yeah. And then so basically it's just Thomas Jane, so, Thomas Jane, the Punisher, slowly enacting his revenge, going home to drink himself to death. And then in between those moments – the crust punks trying to become his best friend, and also guys come to kill him. That's it. That's the majority of the movie. That's and it it's so great it because so it honestly it feels like like portions in a video game. Like it feels like the, it's divided into day sections. Like okay, time to go on a mission. All right, you're back to the hub world. Do you want to talk to some NPCs? Oh no, here's the Russian to kill you. Yeah, so let, let's talk about some of these assassins that come after him. So uh, let's, do you want to talk about Johnny Cash first? Yeah, let's. Yeah, we'll talk about Johnny Cash first. So this is the scene that I talked about before that kicked off this whole thing. Uh, it's this moment where ev- all four of them, uh, Frank and the Crust Punks, are hanging out at the diner where uh, I think Rebecca Romaine works. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all hanging out there, and he's, like, sitting and drinking his coffee. And this guy walks in, like – we. Figure like a Las Vegas Johnny Cash impersonator. Uh, really? Sub that. It's like if that guy showed up at your birthday party pretending to be Johnny Cash, be like, I need a fucking refund. Like this guy. Did I say Vegas? I meant Reno. Yeah, maybe Atlantic City. <laughs> uh, and he comes in and he plays for like four minutes a whole country song about death and how you're going to go down and. Like, he basically does Someday God's Gonna Cut You Down. Yeah, he and, does off-brand, like, God's Gonna Cut You Down. Yeah, and by the way, I should point out, this character's name, this is how ridiculous, his name is Harry Heck. <laughs> it's so great. His it's name so- is never said. It is just written on his guitar case, and that's how we know. They only refer to him as the professional from Tallahassee. Yeah, and, like, and he, he basically looks at, at Frank and says, I wrote that song about you. And all that killing you've been doing and how it's going to come after you. All right, bye. Bye. And he walks out the door and Frank's like, well, I guess I got to go fucking do this. Yeah. But he does it though. Like Frank doesn't like go to fight him. He just goes about his day normally until he's attacked while at a drawbridge. Yeah. Because uh, Harry uh, Harry Heck has the weirdest plan to kill Thomas Jane that that doesn't work for the weirdest reason, which is he waits for a drawbridge to goes up, go up, rear ends his car, uh, Thomas Jane's Dodge Challenger with another Dodge Challenger into the drawbridge, gets out of his car and starts firing a shotgun wildly. And the only reason it doesn't work is because the Punisher has shutters that come down on his car to cover up all of his windows and windshields. <laughs> he has like a metal umbrella that unfails. He has hurricane shutters on his car and then drives blind over the drawbridge, crashes his car by running into a minivan. Harry Heck gets out of his car, has him pinned down, and then Frank shoots him in the neck with a knife. Yes, yes, he has he has a knife that like like launches like a projectile, a ballistic knife. Yeah, yeah. he even pulls it, which is not the most ridiculous thing. Let's remember that the Punisher comics gave him a gun that shoots knives. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, they really lean on that because this Punisher is not really like 
he does not win by his like combat abilities. Like he's not a superior gunman to and most of the people. He's just like he's a gadgets guy. He yeah. just has gadgets everywhere. He has cool funky shit. So yeah. he, he shoots him in the neck with the 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 knife launcher. The yeah, the, the gun knife. The gun knife. And that's how he kills that guy. Yeah. Next topic. And then he takes his car. Like, he shoots him in the neck with a knife, gets in the guy's much better car, and drives away. And that's it. Then That Vincent Saint's like, ow. Well, that's, I guess, mm, mm, uh, no plan B for that. (laughs) We did our thing. And meanwhile, like, the most of, like, Vincent Saint's things are, one, fucking his wife. Because she's so happy that her son has been event. The best thing. Oh is- yeah, we should we should point out. By the way, killing Frank's entire family was Mrs. Saint's idea. Yeah, and she's like, he's like, I'm gonna kill his wife and kids, and she goes, No, 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 his entire family. I don't even think that Howard Saint was gonna. I think Howard Saint was just like, kill this guy. Yeah, and she was the one, and it's so fucking dramatic, right? Like they're sitting in a car. He's talking to Quentin, who is outside of the car. Yeah, and. Quentin's like, we found out who who was responsible for the deal that killed your son. Uh, it's a guy named Frank Castle. Here's where he's going to be. And Howard's just like, all right, well, fucking kill this dude. Yeah. And then she's been quiet and her face has been hidden by, a, a, by a, a, a hat this entire time. And then she looks up. She says, wait. And she looks up and the camera like zooms in on her. And the music gets so dramatic for a second. And I was just like, are I supposed to know who the fuck this person is? <laughs> like it was just like a huge reveal like like – I don't know, like Catherine Zeta-Jones should have been underneath yeah. that hat or somebody. She's like, kill his entire family. And and then after the massacre thing happens, she just like comes up to him and like, I was sad about our son's death, but you avenged him. So we're cool now. I'm pretty – everything's pretty great. So we're going to have sex now. And then they're not sad about the son's death anymore. Like – they mourn by killing – like they just basically cram in several years' worth of mourning into like an afternoon by killing a guy's entire family. And then they're great. They're and good. then she starts going to the movies and going to her the gym and she's having – like she's jogging around and having a great time. He goes back to running his criminal empire. They're great. They're, they're fine. They're fine. They're fine. We've moved past this. Yeah. Uh, it's so – because the most – like – because, yeah, any other – any modern movie would show them like – being distraught and like they must have real nuanced emotions about this. And this movie's like, nah, that'd be a fucking downer. Yeah. Like they're over it. They're cool. They're so, the bad guys. So let's point out that part of Frank's plan is to make Howard think that his wife is having sex with his best friend. Yeah. Because Howard doesn't know that his best friend is gay. Yeah. But Frank does. He has pictures of it. And he it's- starts blackmailing Quentin. This movie's so gay. It's extremely gay. (laughs) Like, they go out of their way to just have, like, Thomas Jane, like, like shirtless and soaking wet and sweating, like, throbbing. And, like, yeah. And every – all the, like – like, Howard St. barely has chemistry with his wife and he's just, like, oozing chemistry with Quentin. Uh. Also, like, I will say, John Travolta does take, like, a back seat for, like, the middle third of this movie. Yeah. Like, you kind of forget that he's in it because it just goes through a process of, like, different, like, level bosses, essentially. Basically, because the Cubans just keep showing up. Every time Frank sets some of the Howard Saints money on fire, the Cuban bosses just show up and be like, hey, man, you're on such thin ice. And he just keeps saying over and over again, like... 30 years of great service and this one thing happens and suddenly I'm in the shit. Like, and that's just basically his repeated line. And then he just goes like, find Castle, kill him, I swear to God. Uh, yeah, so they start sending people. Um, should we talk about the Russian fight or should we talk about uh, Frank, how Frank sets up uh, the affair? Let's talk about the Russian fight first. We got it. I mean, we're dying. So It's this so is, good. It's like if Terry Gilliam directed The Terminator. It's no, I'm gonna say Tex Avery, dude. It's oh, so fucking Looney Tunes. It's this fight is so Bugs Bunny ass fight. Like it's just a cartoon character, Gossamer from the Looney Tunes, just busts through the wall. Yeah. Uh, at one point in time, he they, literally just punches through the wall. Yeah. So this dude who I'm gonna say he looks like a Street Fighter character. He looks like if you gave Dolph Dolph Lundgren like 
like like cartoon steroids. Yeah, he looks like if you dunk, dumped toxic waste on uh, Dolph Lundgren and dyed his hair the most neon blonde like, hair can be. Like if you gave Dolph Lundgren the super soldier serum mm. from Captain America, he looks like if two Dolph Lundgrens got in the fly teleporters and merged together into Mega Lundgren. We keep making this reference. You know, Dolph Lundgren did play the Punisher. In what? In the, like, 1991 Punisher film. There was a 1991 Punisher film? There's a Dolph Lundgren Punisher film. Go ahead and Google right now, bud. Excuse me. Load faster. Oh, my God. What? He looks... I can't tell if he looks great or horrible. You know, know, we we should point out, by the way, the Russian is played by Kevin Nash. Who is Kevin Nash? Uh, WWE wrestler. uh, Yes. Also was in um, Magic Mike. Oh my god! Yeah, that guy. Uh, I would. I want to watch Dolph Lundgren's Punisher after this. It looks horrible. It looks absolutely. Dolph Lundgren cannot grow a beard. Like he, it looks his his overly contoured face makes it look terrible. Yeah, it's it's terrible. It looks like he has no chin. Uh, we we might have to go and watch the the eighty nine Punisher. We might have to do some Punisher chat and got then it. go and watch Warzone finally. Yeah. Uh, okay, so. Uh, but yeah, so he fights Kevin Nash, who is just got like six feet on him. So the entire time this is happening, what's the song that's playing? Marriage of Figaro. Yeah. And so John Panette, who is an opera singer, is like cooking pasta and he's singing and they're having a good time over in his apartment. Dancing with each other very whimsically. It's a beautiful moment. It's so funny. And then like outside the door, Kevin Nash and Thomas Jane are just wailing on each other. Well, it's great because like t- the like Kevin Nash is an unstoppable force of pure violence who cannot be moved or swayed or slowed down and like Thomas Jane is just pulling shit out of the walls. Like he's just like he has a billion traps and tricks. Yeah, at one point in time he just slaps a table and a and gun, a gun pop, <laughs> pops out. But he's too like weak to point it at him because he's been beaten so thoroughly. And and this is like this is why it's so Bugs Bunny. Like he literally Kevin Nash grabs his arm, puts the gun on the table, grabs a dar- a a barbell, or yeah. a dumbbell, and smashes the gun with the dumbbell so that they literally do a bent gun joke. Hmm. And Thomas Jane just looks at this, like, bent gun, and he's just like, fucking come on, man. <laughs> I mean, I'm you're there with him as the audience because the entire time it's happening, whenever Thomas Jane pulls something out of the wall, you're like, oh, he's got him. This is it. And then the Punisher just slaps it out of his hand to the point that there's one moment where, like, Thomas Jane pulls a grenade out of the wall, jumps into the bathroom, throws it, closes the door, and you're like, here's how he gets him. Here's how he gets him. Blows him up with a grenade. And there's not even a second of that being a possibility because the second they cut away from him throwing the grenade, it's just the Russian hitting it back with a bat into the into the bathroom. It's the most perfectly timed thing because you don't, like, <laughs> the moment that you think, yeah, there it is, it's like, bink, nope. <laughs> and it hits was- with the most perfect, bing. <laughs> This is one of my favorite fight scenes. Uh, I a, love this fight. It's a masterpiece because at one point – It's Frank, up there with the they live fight. Frank gets thrown through a plaster wall and rather than come through the hole that he just threw him through, the pun- the, the Russian just walks – makes a different hole in the wall. Not by punching through it but just like walking through it with his face. Like, <laughs> he, he just – but like Kool Aid Man's through the wall. It's so great. At one, point, at one point in time, like you just see two arms come through a, a door, just shunk. Yeah, he hugs the door and rips it off. And like the Punisher is like, he's not like, oh, I'm gonna beat you. He's just like, oh my god, <laughs> yes. what is happening? Oh, I hate this so much. Oh, there's so much trouble. Yeah. Oh god, no. Oh, like he's. He's having a horrible time. Like any other Punisher movie, he'd be like, all right, you son of a bitch. That, those last 80 things didn't work, but I'm going to get you. And the, like, Thomas Jane is playing like, oh shit. Oh fuck. He, um, I'm really screwed here. He just clearly, he gets lucky. That's how he wins. Yeah. The, he just gets incredibly lucky. The, the, the Russian throws him into the apartment where everyone's cooking and everyone freaks out. Like the, the song ends. Yeah. And, like the, the Punisher just – the Russian just didn't anticipate them making pasta. Right. So basically he throws him onto the counter and the Punisher can grab a 
boiling pot of water and throw it at the guy and hit him in the face with boiling water. Yeah. Which shuts him down pretty quickly. And then just swollen, horrifying Cronenberg face. Yeah, and then, then, and then Punisher just like jumps up and throws them both down a flight of stairs. You know what this movie feels? Fucking French. This feels like a French movie. Like, everything is just, like, a little whimsical and strange. Yeah. It kind of feels like Run, Lola, Run. Yeah, or, like, like an like an action-packed omelet. Yeah. Like, it yeah. has just, like, like twinges a, of a, a little Michelle Gondry a little bit. Yeah. It has, in like... Fact, in fact, more Michelle Gondry than the actual Michelle Gondry comic book movie. Was that... Green uh, Hornet. Yeah. Well, Green Hornet, I feel like it was trying really hard to do something that we were not ready for. I like Green Hornet. We, I, should, we should probably revisit that at some point. I'll totally talk about Green Hornet. That movie, I liked when it came out, but I was like, I feel like I understand why people don't get this. Yeah. It's uh, doing something extremely specific. But yeah, so he, he throws them both down a flight of stairs. This is great ultra campy moment where like the three losers kind of look over and are like, Frank, you, you good? And he stands up, looks at the dead body of the Russian. He goes, I'm fine. He's not. <laughs> and then he passes out. Yeah. Oh, it's so great. And then Ben Foster gets his big scene. Right. Ben Foster gets a big scene. So they take Frank up to uh, to his lair, to his apartment, and they clean him up and they, like, he's fucked up. Quentin and some other dudes show up because they're looking for uh, Frank. They see the dead Russian. They're like, oh, shit. Uh, and Rebecca Romaine hides Thomas Jane in the service elevator. Yeah. Like there's an elevator that comes out from the floor. That's why he moved in there. So she's hiding them in the elevator and these guys come out and they torture Ben Foster by yanking out his piercings with a pair, with a pair of pliers. And he gives them nothing. Nothing. He says, he doesn't say shit. Why don't they torture? What? They don't torture John Panette. They, All they do it like, this happens twice in this movie is that just like someone calls John Panette a fat ass and he just backs away. Yeah. Like, they just keep calling him fat and they're like, all right, he's had enough. Back to this guy. <laughs> like, I I'm, I feel like Ben Foster's character would have like broken down and be like, how come I'm getting all the torture? You could evenly distribute this. <laughs> yeah, they don't even punch him in the face. Yeah. Like, they're like, all right, well, you can't hit the fat guy. Like, he's the fat guy. You got to be nice to fat. Well, you you're mean by calling him fat, but other than that, they've had enough. They're yeah, good. yeah, it's very weird. Yeah, they don't even punch him, but but like Ben Foster gets all of his piercings yanked out. It's so and Ben Foster again crushes this scene because after it all happens, they're like, "All right, if he knew something, he'd say something." Let's get out of here and leave these two guys that just saw us witness a violent crime. Let's let him, let's leave them alone. They're good. They've had enough. Uh, and then they leave one guy to wait for Frank to come back, and then they bounce, and like Frank comes back up. It's this big dramatic scene where he's like in a ripped shirt, and like he's rising up on the the elevator, like it's fucking Frankenstein. And then Foster gets to do a thing, where like I didn't tell him nothing because we're family. You're one of us. And he kills that dude with a paper cutter. A paper cutter, it right? Rules. That's he. Why rules. does the, why does the Punisher have a paper cutter in his apartment? He's got a lot of he's got a lot of schemes and a lot of tricks and to it, do. It's, it's a big paper cutter too. It's yeah. like it's like for butcher paper. It's like so. yeah, it's industrial paper cutter. He needed it specifically. He's like, I'm gonna need this to cut someone's head open later. Also, maybe I'll need to make a happy birthday banner. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm going to. I'm mailing out a lot of literature about how crime is bad, and I'm going to you know just make one big printout and then chop it up. You know, it's more efficient. Saves paper at Kinkos. Uh, yeah, no, it's, and then he kills, he, like, slam, in the first, like, real violent thing to happen, he, like, slams the paper cutter into a guy's skull. Like, this movie doesn't get really all that, like, viscerally violent. Graphic, yeah. Yeah, yeah I was gonna say, the whole thing's been pretty violent, but this is the first graphic bit. Yeah. Like, Other than the Cronenberg face. Yeah, the Cronenberg face is pretty bad, but they don't show, like, the Russian dying. Like, you just, like, they show Frank tackling him, and then you see his limp body. And then from here on out, like, when a person dies, knife goes up through the mouth into the skull. Like, eye explodes. Yeah. Like, shit like that. Like, it gets super violent. And then, like, the the Punisher, like, basically was like, all right, I'm going to go I'm gonna go do the whole thing now. Meanwhile, uh, like, Vincent Saint kills his best friend and wife. Right, because he thinks that they're sleeping together. Yeah. Uh, because the Punisher set it up uh, that she got parking tickets 
from outside the Wyndham Hotel. Yeah. Which is also what Mickey, the guy from Ocean's Eleven, by the way, you should point out, the guy from Ocean's Eleven has been working with Frank this entire time. Yeah. And he's convinced his Howard that Quentin was also at the hotel at that time. Yeah. So he's like, why are my best friend and my wife at a hotel together? <laughs> he just basically gives her fake parking tickets at all the fuck spots. Yeah. Like, it's just like all the hotels that where people go to have affairs. <laughs> it's such a crazy scheme that shouldn't work nearly this way. Well. And it works perfectly fine. Because yeah. uh, John Travolta's first response is, well, going to kill these two now. Yeah. And he – he stabs Quentin, and the entire time Quentin is just going, "You're killing me! You're killing me! Why are you me? killing me? Why, Why are you killing me?" It's, I he mean, has no idea what's going yeah. on. Yeah, the actor is crushing it. Quentin, John Travolta is playing a really good version of someone losing his fucking mind, and then he throws his wife off a bridge. He calls his wife a whore, and then he throws her off a bridge so she gets crushed by a train, and says, "She had a train to catch." Like, it's <laughs> so great and dumb. Like, you feel like the, like part of this was Travolta of, like, hey, uh, if I'm going to be the bad guy, can I be a corny fucking bad guy? Like, can I be a lunatic? Because Travolta was like, I'm never going to get to be, like, a Bond bad guy again. So this is the closest I'm getting. If I'm going to play the crime boss of Tampa, can I be the crime boss of Tampa? <laughs> can I just be the shittiest crime boss? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, God. The can Tampa be thing. be the shitty suck-ass Mar-a-Lago-ass fucking crime boss? <laughs> Honestly, the like Florida just radiates off this movie because the Punisher attacks Vincent State's compound with a sleeveless T-shirt and a compound bow. He's like everybody has machetes. Everyone looks like shit. Oh, can we should we talk about like the origin of the Punisher skull Uh, in this movie? Was it his son's T-shirt? His his son buys him a T-shirt when they're on the island in Puerto Rico, and it says that the Nate like the guy at the shop said that this symbol, this freaky symbol. By the way, I gotta talk. This is the shittiest child actor. This kid sucks. Uh, I can hear him over the Patty Smith at this point. Okay, okay. So this kid just like has weird delivery for everything. We basically just says like the guy at the shop said that these intense symbols will ward away evil spirits. (laughs) I mean, do you like it, Dad? I love it, son. This kid's going to be dead in like 30 seconds. Oh, yeah, do you really yeah. want to pay any money for him? The character, a kid that no one is going to pay any Mom, attention Mom, look. To. Grandpa's boat. Yeah. <laughs> it's, yeah, they're like this, this fucking walking corpse. We're not paying above minimum actor. Which is why I don't understand, like, this movie's pretty well paced, but I don't understand, like, why they have this very long chase scene. And why they drag out the death of the wife and the kid? It's yeah, like they're they're doing it like you like you think maybe the wife might make it, yeah, which you know that she's not going to. Like going into this movie, you're like, all right, yeah. It's really they take it's. I think like we can't really oversell how much they take their fucking time killing this wife. <laughs> they like they show they individually shoot every single member of Frank's family. Like it opens with him literally just seeing his mom go down. He's going. Mom? And it's like, Aunt Bertha, Grandma, Uncle Jeff, my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my cousin, my cousin on my wife's side, my (laughs) other cousin on my wife's side. Oh, no. (laughs) My wife, my child, too. Oh, there's there's also like a little bit like – The caterer. They they have to like – and this doesn't really come up that much other than the fact that they're guns. But there's like a bit between like – Frank and his dad, where they're talking about like—is it his dad or his father-in-law? I couldn't tell. I think it's his father. His father-in-law. Yeah. Okay, where they're just talking about like his gun collection and how he just like customized them, and now these are real ass kicking guns. Yeah, and that doesn't really come up other than they like, use them to shoot he at the has bad guys. Guns. That's yeah. it. They like, use them to shoot at the bad guys, and then never again. Yeah, yeah. I think they were gonna do more like Western cowboy shit with that. Yeah, it, it feels like they didn't. They wanted to lean in on that harder, but they didn't. Yeah, it definitely feels like they like there was an initial idea for to do a real cowboy thing, and they never totally cracked it, and so they just gave him a bow and arrow. There is a uh, director's cut of this that adds an extra like twenty minutes, but I don't want to watch it. I want to watch it. I don't want to watch it. I feel like the two hour like mark that they have here is pretty good. It's. 
I would, yeah, I wouldn't watch it as like the the real version of the movie. But I'd watch it. I want to see what else this fucking director can do. <laughs> I want to see what other crazy bullshit the Punisher can do in that twenty minutes. What like if him and Ben Foster just go like hang out and throw a baseball together? Oh yeah, uh, I really love that character so uh, much. So yeah, so uh, Howard Saint kills his best friend, kills his wife. This all happens in like a span of like eight hours, by the yeah. way, uh, and. Frank, fresh off getting his ass kicked by Kevin Nash and nearly dying, says, okay, well, it's time for me to go kill everyone. Yeah, it's time for me to go effortlessly wipe out a mob of Floridian goons, which, I mean, to be fair, the guys look like absolute fucking scrubs. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess one of the only complaints about this movie is that Frank doesn't look cool at all killing these guys. No, the action scenes are horrible. <laughs> and, like... <laughs> Yeah, none of the fight scenes are cool. I zoned out the second bullet started flying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he kills the second son by like, he like, put he pins him down under a desk and then puts a landmine in his hand. Yeah, yeah. And he basically says, "If this thing moves, it's gonna blow up. Hope you can hold it up forever." Yeah, and, yeah. And then he just walks off and he hangs the the Punisher T shirt up on uh, up on the wall, so he doesn't yeah. even kill the dude. Wearing the Punisher symbol, except, except, so he gets to John Travolta, he shoots him in the leg, so John Travolta can't get away, and he does the the, the bit that you talked about earlier, where he's like, I made you kill your wife, and he throws him, like, pictures of Quentin making out with a dude. Uh, I made you kill your best friend. <laughs> no, I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And he ties John Travolta to a car. And he puts that car in neutral and he pushes it into Howard St. Motors. <laughs> and then the car drags him in as John Travolta is shrieking. And then it blows up and the fire from the explosion makes a Punisher skull. Uh, they just keep blowing up cars. Like he just programmed exactly the amount, right amount of cars to explode to make the Punisher symbol. How? <laughs> hey, like, did you like get a, did you go up in a plane and like get a map? I, like you met like someone from like Howard Saint's house was looking at me like, hey boss, a guy in a fake mustache, Thomas Jane in a fake mustache is over there hooking stuff up to your cars and pouring gasoline on everything. It's probably cool, right? <laughs> but and, why? And, like you could only see the Punisher symbol from the air, from the movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, like why did he do that? <laughs> A six-year-old in a plane flying overhead is going to look down and be like, oh, hell yeah. I hope John Travolta was in that. Mom, come check out this wicked shit. Like, who was that for? Him. I'll did it for me. Oh, no. No, my family will see it up in heaven. Oh, God. I want my wife and child and also my mom and dad and cousins to look down from heaven and see that I killed this guy super hard. <laughs> That's who it's actually for in the movie. It kicks so much ass. It's, it's so, so dumb and perfect. And I remember like when that came out, reading like online pissy online articles. Fucking Harry Knowles. Yeah, just be like, so why would the Punisher go through all that time and effort and pour all that gasoline just to make a skull so that he can just hang out? It's like because fuck you, yeah, you nerd, awesome. you fucking asshole, like you piece of shit. It's the Punisher. Because he fucking could. Yeah. Oh, go oh. watch. Yeah, go watch fucking Death Wish if you want, like, just to see a guy kill other guys. Fuck you. It's so dumb and I love it. It's so great. This movie rules so hard. Literally, I don't have a. Other than, like, the action scenes are kind of boring, which I don't care because it's just dudes shooting other dudes. Like, I don't need John Wick. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the only complaint I have about this movie. This movie's great. <laughs> I fucking love this film. Like, and uh, it's, he goes – this is how the movie wraps up. Uh, he goes back to his apartment. He commits – he thinks about committing suicide. Yeah. Uh, which you could probably say is an unnecessary scene, but I liked it. I liked yeah. the little bit where he th he's thinking about like, well, I'm done. And I mean, yeah, I would, I would want that scene. Like I would – you got to, like, think that's going to happen. Like, right. you got his revenge. Like, you're going to do that scene where he thinks about killing himself. And he, he decides not to. And that's when he decides that, okay, I guess I'm going to become the Punisher. Uh, and he, 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 Rebecca remains like, are you going to leave now? And he's like, fuck yeah, I'm out of here. 
Yeah. Oh, and oh God. Oh God. She's, he says, there's some stuff I got to do. She says, what do you got to do? Can I, this, can I do the line? Can yeah, do it? it, please. No, it's, uh, no, if you want to know what I'm doing, check the newspapers every day. What section? The obituaries. <laughs> it's so good. It's such a weird and unnatural question for her to ask. Why would you ask that? What section? <laughs> the only reasonable answer to that question is, What? Like what? Like like you gonna start writing for the new? What are you talking about? And like I just imagine the obituaries just being like, "Hey guys, Castle got another one." Uh, whew. The, my job got significantly harder. <laughs> this was supposed to be the chill job at the newspaper. Um, yeah, it fucking rules. And then he says, "Like I left some money for you in the cupboard. When Ben Foster gets home, there's like a million dollars for all of you. So you're getting your like just reward for being fucking awesome people." And then he delivers a kick-ass monologue on the bridge about how he's going to kill a bunch of people. It's great. So like, this movie, I think the probably one of the best parts about it is that it is pointless. <laughs> it has no argument to make about anything. The closest it has to an argument is that like sometimes the law isn't enough to deal with bad situations, which is like the most toothless moral argument you can make about the Punisher. But like it's only – he's not saying like – the law isn't enough to kill bad guys. He's like in certain extreme situations, like when a crazed madman kills your entire family reunion, you should probably take the law into your own hands. <laughs> so like the closest this thing has to a moral of the story is like, hey, if someone kills your entire extended family, it's probably okay to kill them back if the cops aren't doing anything. Because he specifically says like, I'm only doing this because the cops didn't do anything. If the cops had done something, this would have been totally chill, and I probably would have stayed on the island. Uh, I'm trying. I'm looking at uh, the Punisher 2004 uh, trivia page. Mm -hmm. There are 81 items in this trivia page, and none of them are that interesting, unfortunately. Um, shooting in Tampa was a double-edged sword. On one, really? on one hand, the city's downtown area has no residential areas, so it would be completely emptied out by the end of the working day, ideal for a film crew. But the city is also prone to lightning storms that roll in suddenly and very violently. The summer that the film crew shot in Tampa was the city's wettest since 1890. Nice. How did that not make it in there? Like They could have just rolled with that. They could have just been like, the Punisher is fighting in fog today. Yeah. Yeah, that would have ruled. Like... You could have done literally anything. Like, they could have just added anything that was happening in Tampa that day into the movie. Like, and I would have been fine. Like, they could have had a parade about the Gators winning a game, and I would have been like, this is a thing that's happening in the Punisher world. And I'd be like, yep, that sounds right, Punisher. I'm on board. Make this as Floridian as possible. Please, can the Punisher pilot an airboat? Please, God, can he go to a mini golf course? Can he go hang out at Bush Gardens and kill a guy with a giraffe at Bush Gardens? <laughs> I also used to spend a lot of my childhood in Tampa because my grandma lived there. So <laughs> adding an extra level of weirdness to this. Oh, all right. So that's the Punisher. That's it. That's Punisher cast crew. Yeah. Fucking Punisher, man. Yeah, check this movie out. It rules. If possible, put on some uh, some Patty Smith as you're watching this. It's it's great. I highly recommend it. It, it makes the slow parts of the movie so much better. Okay. I'm Marty. I'm Dan. Hey. Come on.